Good morning. Buenos dias. This morning, we celebrate life. We welcome joy into our lives, and we recognize that it is in community that we can create joy even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. We realize our world is so broken and in such need of repair, and that part of that repair is our ability to reimagine, recreate, and nourish joy in our hearts, in our communities, in our world. We also celebrate Mother's Day. And we recognize that this holiday is not a hallmark holiday for all, that it may bring up mixed emotions, that it might bring up grief if you have lost your mother. No matter how many years ago, you will be missing her. If the relationship was not even close to perfect and you struggled to have some kind of relationship, if you struggled to become a mother and you persisted, if you decided not to become a mother, but you continue to give birth to new ideas, to new ways of being, if you continue to nourish life for all, a life with justice and unconditional love, then you too are mothering this world. And if you have lost a child, this may seem like a sad reminder of that loss. And we hold that. We hold it with so much compassion and understanding. And we take a moment to just take a deep breath so that we can lift up all the ways that motherhood shows up in our lives. the joyous part, the heartbreaking part, the unprocessed part, the part that you're still struggling with. And we invite ourselves to open up our hearts to joy this morning because we believe that joy is one of the most beautiful ways to resist all the hatred that is around us more powerful than any weapon, joy leads to unconditional love. We lift up a joy that is not superficial, that it's not just for the day, that doesn't wither and dry like the flowers that we're going to share today. It is a joy that is abundant, that is latent, that is always there as a reservoir, especially when we need it the most. And later on, we're going to sing and we're going to dance because that's how we embody joy in this community. So welcome, whether you've been coming here for decades or whether you're visiting for the first or second time trying to check us out and figure out who we are, welcome. Welcome. We hope that in the next hour or so, 
your heart and your spirit will be filled with joy. So part of what inspired our work on joy and discussion of joy, exploration of joy, is our youth group. And this question that they encouraged us to think about as a congregation, which was, Knowing Unitarian Universalists, knowing that we care so much about the justices of the world, whether it's in the human society, Black Lives Matter and racism, immigration issues, but also in the earth and the issues of climate justice, we they know that we care so much as Unitarian Universalists about these things, and yet what is carrying us through? What do we seek here in community and give to one another in community to carry us through those times? And that was this question of joy. How do we practice joy? How do we fill up our cups? What can we do for each other in community when we're here on Sundays, when we're in connection with each other throughout the week? What sustains us so that we can work through the suffering. So that's this question of joy that gave Rose to this worship. And thank you, Tina, for sharing your experiences. So this poem is called For When People Ask by Rosemary Watola Trummer. For when people ask, I want a word that means okay and not okay. A word that means devastated and stunned with joy. I want a word for when people ask that means I feel it all, all at once. The heart is not like a songbird singing only one note at a time. It's more like a Tuvan throat singer able to sing both a drone and simultaneously two or three harmonics high above it, a sound the Tuvans say that gives the impression of wind swirling among rocks. The heart you see understands the swirl, how the churning of opposite feelings weaves through us like an insistent breeze leads us wordlessly deeper into ourselves, blesses us with paradox so that we might walk more openly into this world rife with devastation, this world so ripe with joy. So ripe with joy. When I think of joy, right, we've talked about it already. I think of my child, Miriam, one and a half years old, drinking rain puddles off of my deck, running up and down the slide, shouting, Wee! I think of jumping for joy, right? Moving my arms, flailing to dance to music. I think of kids running across soccer fields, chasing balls, catching butterflies or fireflies, or those glow-in-the-dark bu bugs. I can't even remember what they're called. It's been too long. Fireflies. Fireflies. Soaring high on swings or jumping off docks into that cold lake water or sledding down hills of snow. What do you think of when you think of joy? Just shout it out. Right in my 
Amen. It's a word that's maybe a bit hard to define, but maybe it's easier to describe, right, through our senses. I think it's that feeling when every little cell in our body is happy. It's dopamine lighting up our neural pathways. And we can spread joy, almost like it's contagious, when we do things together, like singing or dancing or riding our bikes, playing music, fishing, laughing. And when we're feeling down, we want to know that someone's going to share their joy with us. So the story I'm talking a little bit about this morning is from the Torah. It's about Miriam, the one my daughter's named after. And Miriam is the archetype of the first female prophet. She's a story about joy and hope and possibility and learning and unlearning and healing. So Miriam's best known, of course, for delivering Moses at the Nile River. But she also appears later crossing the Red Sea. And Miriam, along with her brothers Aaron and Moses, go through that exodus of freeing their people from slavery. They go through the desert, through the Sea of Reeds, finding new hope, new possibility. And all the while of this long journey, Miriam's overflowing with joy and gratitude. She's with her tambourine, singing and dancing and persisting, playing music in the midst of fleeing from slavery. Now, how does this make sense? While Miriam is singing and dancing and persisting, she's giving her people something that they needed, the permission to feel pleasure in the midst of suffering. Because of suffering, she is giving them that permission to feel joy, to let it all go and to feel that wind at your back as you're racing your bike in the street, to feel that we flowing down from the slide. She gives them that permission through her action. She embodies that feeling of joy through the desert, through the exodus. And it would have been enough to leave Egypt. It would have been enough to go through the Red Sea. It would have been enough to find water in the desert. Miriam realizes that no matter how much she and her people and her brothers have suffered, that no matter how much she's been joyful and keeps being joyful, that she still had more to learn, that she was still humbled again before God. Because after the exodus through the Red Sea, Miriam surfaces again in the wilderness. This time, however, her prophetic voice falters. She speaks out against her brother, Moses, who had accompanied her and each other all along this way, and accuses him of marrying a woman, perhaps someone of lesser stature, someone who wasn't likely a Jew or from her family or tribe, someone who was black and darker skin. And she accuses Moses of marrying her. And God punishes her. She's sent away from her community. She gets sick and ill. And still, you know what Moses does? You know what her, her people do? They say, heal her. They say, heal her because she was not well when she spoke these words. 
They say, let her think, let her be sick and heal and return to this community a better person. That joy that she spread so much like medicine to us, she needs it now. Let's give it to her, God, Moses said. Let's heal her. And so she gets back that joy that she had so abundantly practiced with her congregation, with her community, that she had given through dance and music and song, all of that that she had given, she receives back again when she is sick. And she's healed because of it. That joy is an antidote to suffering. Whether it's the suffering that we know in our bodies firsthand or in community that we experience through grief and through loss. Or whether it's just being alive in this world, that can be hard to understand. Joy can be that medicine that we need. Right? I was thinking maybe we want to pocket it up, bottle it up, legalize joy. Let's just start distributing it every Sunday. Let's do it. When I am not well, heal me, Joy, and I will do the same for you. Now, our Unitarian Universalist tradition is a work of art. It's always in progress, made by many hands, all of our hands. This joy we bring is informed by our diverse identities, right? It's not just one thing to all of us. It's many things. And a Unitarian Universalist joy might require a new way of imagining ourselves in community. Perhaps even we might be uncomfortable with new ways that we must experience joy and weave it into our faith. If Unitarian Universalist, part of our promise to the world is this joy, is this making a new, a building a beloved community, how do we practice it? And will we know it? when we see it. In our welcome, in our worship, in our religious education, in our songs, in our dance, in our meetings, in our way of being and belonging, will we gather joy? Will we share joy? And will we give each other permission for joy when we need it most? So I've shared with you before that when Nelson Mandela was released from prison, he was invited to come to New York City, and he came to Harlem, and I took my son, who was almost seven, I think, at that time, and when everyone expected him to come to the mic and talk about all the horrors that he had endured during 27 years of imprisonment, he chose to talk about joy, and he chose to invite us to dance. And in that moment, I realized that if I wanted to be my authentic self, that if I wanted to be a better mother... I better get some joy in my heart and share it with that boy, that that would be a wonderful legacy, that he could remember me in a joyful state and not pretending to be joyful all the time. But that dancing that afternoon in Harlem with my son 
really opened my heart up to a new way of being. I felt renewed. I felt reborn. I felt blessed. Fast forward over 20 years, and I'm in divinity school, and I have to choose the theme for my senior thesis. And I remembered how healing it was for me. My identity as an activist had taken over my identity as a mother and even just as an individual. And I thought that feeling joy was something of a betrayal to the people who were suffering, to the people who were going through hard times. How dare I be so privileged and so aloof and superficial to be laughing and dancing and feeling joy when the world was just falling apart around me. And I looked at our faith, our Unitarian Universalism, which doesn't offer much hope when there is grief and loss and death in terms of liturgy, right, like other religious traditions do. We make do and we get creative in order to share our compassion when others experience loss. And I started looking at other cultures, at my own country, Chile, at Colombia and Puerto Rico, where I lived for more than five years, and found that there was a tradition of healing in the midst of grief, especially parents who had lost their children. There were special dances. There were special songs that when you can... Imagine holding all of the things at once. When you can imagine that joy and the grief coexisting, that the healing begins earlier on. You may not have the words to say how you're feeling, but in that dance, you can weep. You can do the dance as a lament, but in that embodied movement, you're going to shed some of that grief. You're going to open yourself up to new energies. And the people who will make a circle around you, who will clap, who will sing, who will cry for you, who will feed you after the dance is over, that will heal you. And so I decided to write about and then offer an embodied service as part of my senior thesis to show people and to invite people into a dance as they brought their grief with them. And so I was also inspired to think about how dance, especially during indigenous ceremonies, the role of dance and the many reasons why we dance. And when I was invited to the powwows, especially in the Wampanoag Nation, there's a moment in the powwow where you're invited to participate in an intertribal dance. And that's what I always wait for, to join in that dance. And I started taking pictures with people's permission during those powwows so that I could document how in the dance there is joy and there is healing. So I put together some slides and thank you Ace team and Jenny for helping me with the slides. 
as I read, we dance. We dance. We dance. We dance. We dance to mourn. We dance to celebrate. We dance to announce war. We dance to pray for peace. We dance to heal. We dance to pray. We dance to live. We dance to testify and protest and bear witness. We dance to be. We dance so Mother Earth knows that we are paying attention, listening, learning, teaching. We dance because our ancestors dance even when doing so meant they were risking their own lives. We dance when we celebrate the new dawn and welcome the new moon. We dance and we sing to the new seeds to be planted, to the new green corn and to the desert in bloom. We dance and sing to feel Mother Earth supporting us, holding us, blessing us, remind us, reminding us that we are Earth, that land is sacred. We dance to the beat of the drum to become one with Pachamama's heartbeat. We dance on stolen land and still we can hear our ancestors' voices singing a victory song. We dance in the struggle in the in-between spaces that intersect our race, language, gender, immigration status, in between the drops of blood quantum that are never enough to embrace our whole divine selves. We dance to cast a spell on all who would deny our inherent worth and dignity, on all who have written books to prove that we do not exist, on all who would only have us as relics in a museum or caricature logos for profit. We dance when wearing red to denounce the disappearance of our sisters and siblings. And we dance to celebrate a baby's first smile, their first porridge meal, and when our loved ones make the journey toward the great-grandfather tree or the bottom of the ocean. We dance when words are inadequate and we need to feel our bodies trembling with emotion, with rage, with grief in order to show the image of our own souls. We dance even when our dances are outlawed and our land stolen and desecrated. Sometimes we dance in the middle of concrete jungles, crowded streets, under the one remaining tree on the forest and Even in our own imagination, we dance when our hearts are broken, open by the continued erasure and violence against our peoples and cannot answer our children's questions about tomorrow. We dance when our youth begin to understand and speak the dreams of the ancestors. We dance to feel the power of creator, the spirit of life, The ashe, that spark of life pumping in our veins, dripping from our sweat, all along creating more life around us. We dance in Chile, the lonely cueca, so that our disappeared will know that we will never forget them. We dance because we are earth people, sky people, sun people, fire people, moon people, tree people, people of the dawn, people of the rivers, of the oceans, of the salmon, turtle clans, eagle clans, bear clans, condor people, 
and we believe that all beings are us and we are all beings sacred. We dance to remember and to honor all who labored before us and cared for us, for our families, for all our relations. We dance to honor our own bodies, to bless our own bodies, our beautiful black and brown and everything in between bodies, our temporarily abled and forever proud crit bodies, bodies with invisible pain but visible scars, bodies that know trauma and hold the true story of this nation in our bones and broken dreams. Bodies that defy gravity and take down the doctrine of discovery, drumbeat by drumbeat, step by step, stomp by stomp, raised fist by raised fist, warrior song by warrior song. We dance to remind everyone that we are here. We are strong. We love life. And we will continue dancing because we can, because we must. We will dance until the land is healed. We will dance until all creatures and all beings breathe freedom without reservations. We dance. We dance. We dance.